You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. I am Ben Wolf, your host uh, with Wolf's Edge Consulting, uh, helping companies get a grip on their business uh, using the entrepreneurial operating system, EOS, uh, and as an outsourced COO, and uh, known in EOS terminology as an a fractional integrator. Uh, we are going to learn from our guest today uh, how to end up better off than you were before this crisis uh, or when your business loses something that you just can't live without. Uh, for instance, little inconsequential things like all your customers, key elements of your supply chain, or the ability to do in-person activities if those were a critical part of your business before. Just minor things like that. So we're going to learn uh, a great methodology for um, for figuring out what to do when the worst happens. Uh, and uh, I invite everybody out there to subscribe, leave a review, and uh, wherever it is that you're listening to this, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., follow, leave a review. Uh, definitely, again, make it uh, follow on LinkedIn, uh, win-win an entrepreneurial community, uh, um, Twitter, Facebook. It, it just makes it easier for you to get the content that we are sharing here more available on Sooner and make it available to other people as well. And so with that, I want to get into uh, our guest today. So uh, she leads creativity innovation workshops, uh, which help facilitate, and she helps facilitate creative problem solving uh, in organizations by leading a brain structuring session as opposed to a brainstorming session. Uh, she uses methods that are based on the book Inside the Box, a proven system of creativity for breakthrough results uh, by Drew Boyd and Jacob Goldenberg, and she works directly with the authors as well. And I'll put the link for uh, getting that book on Amazon in the uh, in the description uh, of the podcast and on social media. Uh, she is the powerhouse director of Oregon NCSY, which is a Jewish youth group uh, throughout Oregon. And uh, you can find out more about her or get in touch with her if you want her to lead a workshop uh, for problem solving for your organization uh, or for you personally at meiraspivak.com and that's meira m-e-i-r-a spivak s-p-i-v-a-k.com meiraspivak.com and with that i give you unsurprisingly in terms of her name meira spivak welcome hi thanks so much for having me i'm so glad to be here and a pleasure to have you on. So quickly, I'd like to start with, with with what I do really with all my guests, which is really if I could ask you to give like a quick two-minute background, a quick two-minute history on like where you came from, how you got to be where you are today, and, and doing what you're doing now, particularly, you know, in terms of giving context for uh, the kind of uh, brain structuring, facilitation, and, and work that you're doing now, and give a quick two-minute background. Yeah, of course. So I, um, my really my background is in the nonprofit world, and that's what I you know spend my time with day to day. And I, you know, and I know that the problems and challenges that I face, I know are the same ones being faced in the for-profit world. You know, a lot of us um, come, you know, we again we face challenges now with co with the coronavirus. Obviously, there are just new uh, new things popping up day to day. Whether you know you can't your staff can't come to work because they're not feeling well, or I mean they can't even come. Physical distancing, we had to close down. We're we're not being able to service our customers. A lot of events are being canceled. Whatever it is, whatever challenges you're facing, and I personally like always used to look at problems and almost like shut down. Like 
I don't know what to do. This is just, this is terrible. This is not solvable. We can't do our prime objectives. We're not able to accomplish what we want. And I would just, again, I would shut down. I would freeze. I would not know what to do. And, you know, I used to also, I'll tell you one thing that I'm sure some people here listening can relate to. I used to go to a lot, attend a lot of brainstorming sessions and they were, I found them very frustrating because what it would be is that we would get a bunch of people, we would sit in a room, maybe for hours at a time, trying to come up with the next big idea, throwing out all these random, who knows who, who could think outside the box, who could, and, you know, after many hours of just sitting in that room and coming up with very few ideas, most of them going nowhere, it was just really frustrating. And I left deflated. We it barely, barely got anywhere. And we were kind of back to the old drawing board until, you know, really everything changed when I was introduced to this book, Inside the Box, and my relationship. And then, you know, what took off from there was obviously a, a long-standing relationship with the authors and other parts of this SIT method, which is a systematic inventive thinking method, where, where what, from the methods that I learned explain that if you would like to really create creativity is not a gift yes there are people that are born naturally is a little bit easier for them but but creativity is actually something that can be learned it's actually something that can be applied and any person can innovate if they follow specific templates so once I realized that that's true I really I thought to myself wait a minute why are we sitting in these meetings just thinking let's randomly think about anything why don't we follow a system that will get us creative ideas every single time? And that's when I realized that I was onto something. So that's kind of like a, a just a brief overview if that's if that's helpful. Yeah, no, it's very helpful, and I, you know, I really appreciate that context and uh, and helping under, understand it better in terms of systematic thinking. And and so maybe to to continue where you really left off just now. Uh, you know, in our previous conversations, you've you've called it like not brainstorming, and you spoke about the kind of limitations of that, and that most people probably can relate to. So, why is the methodology that you you know that you that you use with clients and that's taught in this inside the box book? Why is it called brain structuring as opposed to let's say brainstorming? And I, and I think from that we'll get a better idea of. I think from that we'll get a better idea. Of uh, of kind of the the methodology or the theory behind it. Yeah, of course. You know, again, the the classic approach to coming up with something creative is let's think inside the box. But what research has found is that just by telling somebody to think outside the box doesn't generate more results. So even though you told me new no, think outside the box, why can't you come up with anything? I still don't have a new idea. Mm-hmm. What brain structuring does is through the system, through following specific templates and asking very directed questions, we actually force the participant or whoever's thinking about whoever has this creative problem, we're actually constraining their mind. We're forcing them to think in such a narrow way that their mind cannot wander, cannot think of this crazy idea they're never gonna use. Their mind is actually constrained so that they're forced to innovate. We say brain structuring, again, is because this is a really a structured approach where we don't allow free thinking, but the free thinking will come and very practical free thinking will come as a result of very specific and directed and guided questions. Okay, so let's get to the first one of those that, that we've talked about before, I think is maybe one of your favorite examples of how this works to make this more concrete for people so they can understand uh, 
and they can actually learn something that they could take after the show and maybe try on their own or try with their team. Um, so, you know, we talked about the subtraction exercise. So if you don't mind, like, te- te- teach it to me. Teach it, to, or teach it to the listeners. Like, what is the subtraction exercise? How would people do it? What are some, like, examples and stories of, uh, of how people could do that so we could get this really concrete and something that people can, uh, can apply and use? Okay, terrific. I'm, I'm going to give you some, I'll walk you through the steps. I'm going to explain to you what we do. I'll give you some examples of more example that's close to my home. And then I'll give you also some examples in the, in the business world. So mm-hmm. the way subtraction works, and, and actually I'll, I'm going to back up for a minute. Whenever, whatever method you are using, whether it's subtraction, division, multiplication, and there's, you know, multiple methods, obviously outline, whatever you're doing, the most, the first step in any method is to list the components. Now, when I say that, you're like, well, what is that? What are you even talking about? So, for example, if my office or my business had a problem and I ran a bank, okay, I would have to list the components of the bank. Well, there's staff and there's customers and there's the facility and there's money and there's anything that I would use to really make the bank happen, to make that business happen. I don't need every little detail, but I need a list of about 20 parts, 20 things. If I was trying to innovate you know, or, or fix a product, okay, and I wanted to fix something, I wanted to fix my toilet, I would list, you know, the base and the flusher and the water. Those are the components of the item that you're dealing with. So the first thing you do is you list the components. Mm-hmm. And then if we're using let's say, uh, subtraction, for example, what we would do is we would decide which component is important. It doesn't have to be the most, most important component, but a component that's very important and we're going to imagine that we would subtract that component and say, what would our business look like without that item? Now, it seems counterintuitive because if my main, you know, the components of my business is employees, staff, a building, and I say, well, let's imagine our business without our, our employees, mm. without our staff, or without, I'm sorry, without our customers. Let's imagine our business without our customers. You would say it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Imagine our bank, you know, without staff. But after that step, when you say, when you think to yourself, okay, let's imagine, okay, that's crazy, a bank without staff. I don't know who's serving the people, but fine. And let's think of the benefits. And this is a key step. Let's think of the Mm. benefits to not having that component. So for a bank, I would say to myself, oh, okay, what's, what's an example What's an example of not having, what's a good, what's a benefit of not having staff? Oh, well, it would be cheaper. You know, we wouldn't have to pay their salaries. We, you know, customers wouldn't have to wait online if there was no lines because somehow they got their money without staff. And we would go and look. And then suddenly, after we start throwing out those ideas, we realize, wait a minute. If we can imagine a bank without staff, there's a lot of benefits to it. Hence, the beginning of the ATM. You see, hmm. what subtraction has done is taking something that you think is absurd. Why would I take my staff out of a bank? It doesn't make any sense. But at the end, because of the structure process, has led to an, the innovation, which is not an innovative anymore, to the ATM. Working through, getting through that process is what's important. So, for example, any one of us that have moved our business right now to Zoom, that is, have used the power of subtraction. We've realized that for our, but we listed the components. We have customers, we have a staff, we have a, a location. And then we said, let's imagine if we didn't have the location, 
Let's imagine because the location's almost been subtracted for us. We're all quarantined. We all can't get out of our house. And we yeah. ask ourselves, what's the benefit of it? Well, hey, it's pretty good, actually. I don't, I don't have to get drive to work. I could, I could look at a Zoom meeting. I could see everybody at once. I mean, I could, meaning if I can't see my people, sorry, let me take a step back. What's the advantages of not having a location? Well, I don't have to get to work. You know, I don't have to pay the rent. I don't. And then we say, and this is the next step, really, which I just did with the bank. What could we use within our closed world? What can we use within our resources to substitute for that location? And many of us have said, well, we could use Zoom. Mm -hmm. We could substitute the location for Zoom. It's a virtual location. So really, people don't even realize, but anyone who's moved their business to Zoom has done subtraction. So, you know, I I work again in the nonprofit world, running a camp in the camping industry. Many of us are facing extreme challenges because we don't know if camps are going to open this summer. And every day it looks bleaker and bleaker. So for the people that just stand there and freeze and say, well, we're going to close down camp. That's what we're doing. You know, we're just not operating. That's their choice. But a number of people are going to be looking for alternative uh, methods. You know, I know there was a, a lot of the camps came out and said, you know, we're going to close. There are four, there were, and they, they said, we're not running the summer. We don't feel it's safe. Okay, great. But I just saw an article that I actually shared on LinkedIn yesterday where one of the camps said, well, let's, and I, I'm not, I don't believe they went through this exercise. I, I, I'm not sure, but they literally subtracted and they said, what would happen if we had a camp without campers? What would happen if we had a camp without campers? Well, that's crazy. What's a camp without campers? But they asked themselves, okay, we've subtracted the campers. What are the benefits? Well, we don't have to deal with all the annoying kids and you know, they're crying. We don't have to worry about all the program. And they said to themselves, okay, great. There's advantages not having campers, but we're a camp. Like, how can we not? It's essential. We can't not have campers. And they thought to themselves, well, what type of group can we substitute for campers and bring to camp during this quarantine time? And they realized that they can now bring in families and host family quarantines, close, you know, uh, six feet away retreats by families renting out the cabins. Instead of saying we have no revenue for the next nine weeks in the summer, they thought inside the box and they subtracted campers and replaced them with families and now have a new business. I bet in years to come, hmm. they might use that model during other seasons, maybe in the off season where they're now renting out their facilities to family, to families. Instead of again, freezing. And I, you know, I'll, I'll, what's interesting about this whole method is that again, a lot of times it's really counterintuitive. So, you know, I'll give an example in the 1990s, there was a company called Vic, Vitco detergents. Okay. And they wanted to mm-hmm. insert, I mean, create a new, a new uh, product. What are we going to put on the market? And they went through this systematic inventive thinking. Okay. They went through all the steps and what they said is we really want to imagine a new type of detergent. So they listed the components of the detergent. There was three components. They said there was um, the detergents, the perfumes, and the binders. And they said, let's do subtraction for a minute. Let's imagine our detergent had no detergent. Now, I can't think of a more counterintuitive example of let's create a detergent without detergent. But they said, we're going to run through the example. And they asked themselves, what are the benefits of having a detergent without detergent? And one of their, when the staff piped up and said, you know, sometimes people wash their clothes, but they don't really need to wash their clothes. It's just like been in the closet too long, or they just want to freshen it up. They don't really need it cleaned. They just want to freshen it up. Mm-hmm. And realized that they could create a clothes freshener, right, that people might want. 
Now, unfortunately, or fortunately for them, they actually were acquired um, by Unilever years at that time, and their R&D department shut down. But four years later, P&G, who was their main competitor, launched Febreze and started the hmm. clothes freshener business, which actually reaps a billion dollars in annual sales, if not more. So by mm -hmm. doing something that was so counterintuitive, by taking out the main component of the business, meaning most of us would say, what do you mean? If I have no location, I can't run. If I have no staff, I can't run. If I have no customers, I can't run. Maybe that's true. Or maybe you're going to do, you'll need to do a little bit of shifting. You know, uh, I remember, you know, I, I like to share this example a lot, but in 2002, mm -hmm. 2004, when the, when the SARS pandemic hit the Far East and Alibaba, at that point, a lot of their customers, well, most of their customers were really were business to business, where they were selling to businesses. But at that time, again, when social distancing was coming in, businesses weren't flourishing, people weren't buying, Alibaba had to decide if they should just close down shop and just shut their business, or should they, should they think of a new market? And by, by eliminating, by subtracting their business customer and replacing it and saying, what would happen if we sell to consumer? They actually opens up a new market for themselves. And now almost 50% of their revenue comes from this business to consumer sales. Instead of looking at the crisis right. and looking in and saying, this is the biggest challenge that we've ever faced and we're frozen. They look at the biggest challenge as their next opportunity. And I think that that's really what's unique. And, I, and I'll, you know, I'll give you another example from, think about uh -huh. Apple, okay? We all know Apple and we look at some of their products. Their, how did you think, you know, they took the original iPhone and said, and asked themselves, what would happen if we had an iPhone without a phone? What are the benefits? Parents, wouldn't, we wouldn't have to pay for the line. We would, you know, whatever it is. And after asking that question, they said, well, what else could we substitute in? What else? Hence the, the iPod. And when they took the yeah. iPod and said, what would happen if we didn't have a screen? Then the shuffle came out. And the most genius is when they were deciding, when they were developing, you know, all of the apps. And they said, what would happen if we had wanted to develop apps, but we took out our researchers and our developers. We took out our, we took out everyone, our app developers. What would happen? Who could we replace to develop? And we don't, let's say we had no app developers. Who could we replace? Because all that, let's imagine Apple wanted to have someone to develop the apps, but their developers, I don't know, they all got sick. No one could come to work. No one could, and they needed these apps developed. And they said, who in their closed world, who like within their reach can develop apps for them? And they realized that really the consumers can develop the apps, hence the app store. Mm -hmm. They made an app store, they substituted their own workers, and they had the customers themselves creating apps for them. I mean, mm -hmm. it's genius. They have um, tons of apps, Waze, Uber. These are all designed by people. They give the right. freedom. They, they like, let go of their own control and give the freedom over to their customers. I mean, what they did, I mean, that app store is revolutionary. So the whole thing is really incredible. If a company is able to let go and see from another perspective and realize there are benefits. Yes, is it crazy? Is it crazy to open up a, a camp for families instead of kids? Yeah, that's totally random. But you know what? Yes, next year, will they open up for campers? We hope so. But maybe they'll have another business on the side. Right, that's some, that's some great examples. 
Well, obviously not with as much detail maybe as the subtraction, but what, what are some of the other techniques that are in this book, uh, you know, inside the box and in, that you use in your workshops? What are some of the other uh, methods? Just uh, much more briefly, obviously, but what are some other things that they use? Yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, you know, division is another great example. Okay, so what, what division tells us is just imagine, you know, what you do. Imagine the steps to what your company offers, but putting it in a different order. Divide it, right? Instead of, um, or imagine what your company, uh, if your company offers a product, imagine offering it in bite-sized chunks. Divide it up. Instead of offering the one-gallon Ziploc, offer the snack size Ziploc. Instead of, um, you know, when people come to you, as, when you call, they call your customer service number, instead of doing um, the survey first, you do it last. You ask the certain questions first, you do it last. Think about what are the benefits of moving things around and switching them up. You know, I'll just give you one example of division that I think is really incredible because in 2004, the GE senior staff, General Electric, okay, they had come together for a really a development program in their, in their training facility in Crotonville, New York. And they were really apprehensive and they felt like, give me a break. This division sounds really nice, but you know what? We're working on refrigerators and I don't believe that we can really innovate anymore in refrigerators. It's a refrigerator. How can we be even more inventive? How can we create something new? And by using division and listing the components of the refrigerator, right? And listing the, oh, we have the, the, the door and the shelves and the ice maker and the compressor. And by imagining what it would be like to have a refrigerator without a compressor, okay? in the fridge. I mean, that's crazy. They were like, this is a joke. What does that mean? You're not gonna have the compressor. But for the exercise, imagine if the fridge had a compressor somewhere else, what would be the benefits? And same thing. And they said, well, it would be quieter in the kitchen. It would be maybe less hot in the kitchen. And until one other developers piped up and said, what about now if the compressor was outside, perhaps the compressor could be used to cool more items in the kitchen, not just one main fridge, Perhaps we could divide the fridge into multiple parts and have a place where we had maybe the fridge and we had the place where we just cooled drinks or wine and had a separate cooling item for that. Imagine if you divided your oven and you just had a warming drawer somewhere else. Hmm. You see, they ended up a few years later launching the hot point line of draw appliances. But the only way they were able to do that is to take the oven and say, how can we divide the oven? Mm -hmm. Taking the refrigerator and saying, how can we divide it? It also sounds funny, like, why would I divide the fridge? It's fine, you know? Right. But that's how mini fridges came out. Or just the freezer, right? right? We just buy just freezers because they took the fridge freezer and they divided it right. and said, why does it have to only be like this? And, right. you know, one of the things is called fixedness, that we're all fixed. It's like we imagine the world. It has to be a certain way. That's the only way we're used to. We know a fridge has everything in it with the shelves. But imagine if there was a separate egg drawer where we kept our eggs. And imagine if there was a separate warming drawer. And imagine, you know, we're so stuck on the way we think she can't must be for campers. And, you know, iPhones must have a phone line. And detergent must have a detergent. But does it must? And by asking those questions, whether it be division, whether, you know, there's just multiplication where we do what we're doing even more, but in a totally different way. And by using different systems of the SIT method, we're really able to structurally, effectively and efficiently come up with new ideas. Yeah, that's super. It's super, super interesting. I mean, some of the stuff you're saying about division, I guess, makes me think of you know, businesses, uh, you know, I'm involved in now or that I've been involved in in the past 
where you have kind of order of operations issues and how like, you know, one thing's dependent on another and all these different things need to get done and what order do you do them in and what risks do you have by doing something too soon if the thing doesn't end up going forward. But if you do it later, then, you know, the whole thing gets delayed in terms of closing uh, or finishing whatever the process is. So, you know, I guess I just some of those things come to mind that might be might be useful for for some of those other techniques. Um, but I, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask uh, before we run out of time is more focused on. I mean, it's really, really interesting, the, these methodologies that you're talking about, and they could be really great tools for people and definitely recommend people get this get this book inside the box. Uh, but sometimes, and I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this, and I've experienced this as a, as a, as a facilitator and, uh, you know, and as a uh, EOS implementer helping, helping businesses, helping leadership's teams, working together with them, solving issues, implementing uh, clarity in their business, getting control of it. Uh, is that you know sometimes they may have this technique, but it's kind of hard if everybody in the room is the same people that are always there to kind of get outside of themselves and and think creatively enough. So it's, it definitely is a great value for people. I found that I'm sure you found in, in having an outside facilitator that's trained and experienced as a facilitator, um, and just by the fact that they're an outsider even has an inherent value in and of itself. But uh, but with that, I guess if, if you could explain how, in case of, again, meirospivak.com, M-E-I-R-A-S-P-I-V-A-K.com, meirospivak.com, people get in touch with you. But if, if somebody does want to have this method facilitated, they could even do it virtually by Zoom now or, or whatever. But if people want to do this, how do, you, how do your workshops work? What is it that you do with clients and how does it work? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's definitely true. I've tried, you know, I've done some of these workshops like inside our own organization and it's definitely like, you know, almost more touchy. It's comes more personal. We've, we've innovated, of course, because you can't, almost you can't use a system without innovating. It happens almost every conversation, uh, but it's just a little bit too close to home. You know, when you're um, sometimes running a workshop for somebody, you know, a few levels above you or levels below you, just, there's an uncomfortable, there's just something there that you can't really avoid. So that is really what the workshops do. I mean, they when I, you know, worked with teams, by coming in as an outsider, I also don't know any of the history, right, of the people. So I don't know who's that person that always talks too much or always is a Debbie Downer or always, you know, the, the pot. I don't know who anyone is. I just come in and take everything at face value and I'm able to keep the conversations going quickly. And, you know, that person that's trying to dominate the conversation to redirect because otherwise you won't move. And going through, again, the steps with a facilitator, it's, it's, it's a total ball game. I, I mean, I've seen people, they come in on this and they're like literally just, uh, this is not going to work for me. How could, we have, how could we have our camp without campers? How could we have our business without customers? How could we have without a location? How can, and they are just, and I watch as they are able, if they, when they go through the workshop, you know, usually they take all, about up to 90 minutes to do like a, just a one time, let's say a subtraction, just working on subtraction, not division, not the multiplication, but just the one, if you pick one, it's around 90 minutes. And just watching them turn around after facing the challenges head on, forcing themselves into a box and realizing that they have to make a choice. Are they going to just let the challenges set them back or they are going to do almost like a reframe and just switch their whole mentality and look at their challenge or their opportunity. And I, you know, just love being part of that. I, and I helping people, helping people and, and just watching them, you know, change their mentality. So I, I, I so appreciate doing this and I'm happy to help anybody that I can. 
And I appreciate it. And, and you know, I guess when I listen to those steps you outlined earlier, like if I'm going through the process, I list all the critical components and then I ask whatever the question is. But before figuring out like how to make that work, I love how the first thing that you walk through people through is saying like, okay, before we even worry about if and how that would be possible to live without whatever that thing is that, that's critical, is you first ask, well, what would be the benefits of subtracting that or dividing that or whatever it is? Um, what would be the benefits of that? And first, just just kind of sitting with that and thinking of a few things, because you know, why, why would you or could your brain allow you to think of ways to do something if there's no benefit in it anyway? Um, you know, so it just was really that's really really cool. Uh, look, people can get in touch with uh, touch with you through Meira Spivak.com, M-E-I-R-A S-P-I-V-A-K.com. Uh, in case you want to get in touch and ask any questions, have a conversation, or uh, potentially have her do a workshop with your your team or for yourself. Um, and um, look, just really, really appreciate you coming on. I, I think this is a, a very new concept for me. I mean, I use you know different facilitation and, and, and problem solving methods in the client in sessions with clients, but this could be a great addition or a great tool to use. Definitely a, a book that I want to check out and continue the conversation with you. But thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing all this. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I so appreciate the opportunity to share. And I know my life's been changed from this using this method. I face challenges now with a smile as opposed to, again, I was that person who was frozen. So anybody <laughs> who I could help and see challenges in a different way, I, I would bring on the opportunity. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.